I'm Jason Hopkins, founder and president of The Connection Project. Welcome to Everyday Brave, a podcast series for emergency responders by emergency responders. We explore real-world issues that each of us face. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and instill hope that we are all in this together. Thank you for joining us on this journey to become more connected to ourselves and others. Let's get started. Today on this episode of Everyday Brave Podcast, I'm joined by Captain Laurie Halaba. Captain Halaba began her career with the Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office in 1999. She has served in detentions, patrol, as a school resource officer, and on a drug task force team. She moved through the ranks, breaking the glass ceiling to become the first female captain in the agency in 2014. Currently, she is one of two captains assigned to the Arapahoe County Detention Facility, overseeing courthouse security operations and the mental health and medical section inside the facility for inmates. She is also the Peer Support Employee Wellness Coordinator for the Sheriff's Office, and in that role, her passion to support employee wellness and resiliency has expanded agency-wide. Captain Halaba, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your efforts to support responder wellness. So tell me, you know, you've got an impressive background and career. How did you get started here? Um, Well, yeah, as you you pointed out, I've been with this agency for 20 years, and it has flown by. Um, And I have worked pretty much everywhere within the sheriff's office, so I was able to um, experience all the different duties that are expected. Okay. Uh, Most of my time has been out on patrol on the street. Sure. um, And just uh, the stuff that that we deal with on patrol. But now that I've come back to the detentions facility, I also am seeing that there is um, a huge increase of – needed wellness support within the officers that are working the detention facility as well. Um, I can imagine. So I guess to really back up a step, you know, the wellness work you're doing has evolved from somewhere. Absolutely. Are things changing? Are they worse than they used to be? Or are we just recognizing it more? Um, I think it's getting better slowly. Okay. Uh, When I started 20 years ago, it was, you know, pull up your bootstraps, suck it up and move on. Right. It was man up. Exactly. You know, you know, you just saw a very horrible traffic accident where children were were severely injured or passed away. And it's just like, nope. OK, go on to the next one. Right. And you just you just kept going. And there was never any time to decompress or kind of go over what just happened. Right. Um, but it is changing because I think it is now slowly being recognized that um we need to start taking care of ourselves. Otherwise, it, agencies won't have us very long. Right. And we're not going to be very good in our own personal lives as well. Well, and I think statistically we see that, you know, responders are struggling and that results in a lot of negative consequences. Um, so I'm grateful to hear that things are changing. Slowly, slowly, <laughs> but they're getting there. Right. Well, they're change has changed. Let, let's be optimistic about that. And with law enforcement officers, our first responders in general, I think we're very resistant to change. Right. We're very stubborn when it comes to that. <laughs> you know, I think as humans, we change is not something we naturally no, adapt true, to. True, true. <laughs> you know, so in doing other conversations for Everyday Brave, I have um, the word wellness and well-being are used interchangeably. It seems like more agencies use wellness. How do you all define um, wellness at Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office? Well, we are. Um, we know that we can't just focus on mental issues. Okay. Uh, we have to learn how to focus on the entire person. So we also make sure that you take care of yourselves physically. Um, we have all kinds of programs set up to, you know, 
running programs to where we partner up with Kaiser to right. do some um, physical wellness programs there. Um, but then we also offer um, different types of classes for families as well. Okay. So encompassing, you've got to do the whole package because if you focus on one, you're not going to help the right. others. So what I've learned in doing this, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, a lot of agencies see wellness. It normally starts through physical health, which right. is kind of the entree that gets people more connected because it's more approachable, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I hear commonly is that responders don't really want to take what they've dealt with home to their loved ones and burden them. But I think it creates some problems, A, that it leaves your spouse or partner out or family and loved ones. Um, and, and B, it doesn't let them feel like they're as connected to you. And C, it doesn't give them an outlet to deal with what they've just seen or done. Is that accurate? Oh, that's very accurate. So, exactly. I love your approach to really blending in the family as part of it. Um, so what are the things that you're seeing responders really struggling with? And, and is that changing? I think that, um, that what they're really struggling with is the, the whole um, taking everything in and not being able to deal with it. Sure. Uh, we, you know, we can go to, to serious in, in progress calls and deal with stuff that your normal person will never, ever have to deal with in their life. And we keep it in, keep it in, keep it in. And then it could be something very simple that is not a traumatic incident and something will be said or you smell something or you hear something and all of a sudden it just blows up and you're wondering, what the heck just happened to me? Sure. And, you know, it it doesn't necessarily have to be a crisis or – critical incident to trigger everything that has come up. Right. So just the residue of that unresolved trauma just may be triggered by something innocent enough and it happens. So what are the resulting events that you're seeing when somebody gets triggered? Like, what does that result in? You know, a lot of times it uh, results in getting in trouble at work. Okay. Um, And now with my position where I am now at my level, at the executive command level, I have an overview of the entire agency, so not just one specific area, even though I am assigned to detentions. Um, So I can see where there is uh, maybe a trend of um, officers or even our civilian staff getting in trouble, and how are they getting there? I mean, what caused them to get to this point? So is it possibly because they got a DUI off of work? You know, is it... Why did they get the DUI? Have they been drinking this whole time? So I'm able to kind of see the backside of it and then deploy my resources to kind of help it from that angle as well. Right. Well, I love that you're in a really empowered place to be able to look at it from a high level because I I think the reality is, is to affect change in a broad way, you have to be able to look at it from a bird's eye view and then start doing the work. Yes. So you guys have been doing this work at Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office for quite some time. Yes. Um, Tell me how it started and how it's evolved and kind of the morphing of that. Yeah, I've been involved in our wellness program. It, it started off as just our peer support program. Right. And uh, I was a peer supporter when I was a deputy. So I've been in it some ways, one way. I ran it at one point um, on a, a sergeant level. And I've kind of had my hands in it every some way for the last 15 years. And now that I'm at the position that I'm at and I'm able to affect change that I that I can, and I have a sheriff who is so supportive. That's it's great. a direct line. I have direct line to the sheriff with any concerns, any issues, anything that I ask for is right. pretty much, yes, go do it. So it is it is getting so much better. Um, it is and I think it's because it's being recognized 
that we need to be proactive instead of reactive. Well, and as a team, you all are working on this this challenge together. Let's yes. Call it. Not a problem, a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah. So I, I love that. I, I think it's fantastic. So, you know, I'm hearing that you have this more whole health approach to responder wellness. Tell me if I'm a responder that's struggling, that either by choice or by action ends right. up in your program. What are, what happens then? Like, if, if we come across an individual, I have um, my peer support, like supervisors embedded in each one of our major bureaus. Okay. And so they kind of watch out for um, the employees within their bureaus. So if a significant call comes out or that they're hearing um, that an individual is going through a divorce or having some personal issues, they'll reach out and then they come to me and say, hey, you know what, maybe we need to see if we can get them some alcohol treatment or some marriage classes or whatever the case is. And I will seek out those resources so that way we can give them back to the to our employees. Well, so I'm imagining you've taken a lot on here. Like, how are you taking care of you? <laughs> What's your self-care program? <laughs> well, you know what? And it's kind of funny you say that because um, even though I, I, I preach this, I teach it to all the recruits, um, I think I am – just as guilty as anybody else right. on on lacking care for me. Um, kind of a, a quick personal story. Um, just recently, back in June, um, I had several incidents happen in my personal life. My house was flooded. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And I had to move, and that was the same week that our state trooper died on, the, on our highway out there. Sure. And, and then we had a death within our own agency, and it was all in a matter of, like four or five days. I mean, one right after another. And um, on the very last day, it was a Thursday, and I'm talking to my my chief and my co-captain, and I realized that um, my body was shutting down. Right. Um, I couldn't – they were talking to me, but I couldn't respond back to them. And I was like, oh, my gosh, am I having a stroke? What is going on with me, right? I mean, it was was freaking me out. (laughs) I'm sure. And so I went to the emergency room, and they checked me out completely head to toe. And they're like, yeah, you just had a huge anxiety meltdown, and your body just shut down. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So firsthand, you got to experience what this feels like. Exactly. And, you know, now what, what an experience to have, but what a frightening experience to have. And so now when I teach to the recruits, I'm like, you know what? If you don't take care of it, eventually your body physically is going to shut down on sure. you. Sure. And you're not going to know why. And it's because you have so much stuff going on internally and up here that your body's like, uh-uh, I'm done. I'm not doing <laughs> any more. Yeah. So it's an eye-opening, very. Well, and while I hate that you had to experience that, you know, from my own experience, I mean, I had my own recovery journey with mental health, which mm-hmm. is obviously what led me to do this work. Um you know, I always say if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here. Right. So it gives you a different level of understanding to be able to look at what other people are struggling with and know firsthand, like, this just sucks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it can be bad and you not know what to do in that moment, even when you have all the tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'm also the person that connects people <laughs> with tools. And it's like when you get in those times that you need some support, you know, you don't immediately think of, oh, I know that I can call this person or that agency or this. Exactly. You know, you're just trying to get to the next minute. So, right. Um, right. I, I really love the work that you're doing. Um, so, the wellness initiatives that you are working on, um, 
if I'm understanding it correctly, they really have morphed into being able to help responders deal with workplace trauma. Absolutely. Uh, we are now, it's just not focused, you know, on um, the first responders on the street. Um, it's not just the firefighters anymore. It's our dispatchers, paramedics, um, corrections officers, our, you know, civilians that work in our detention center because they still hear it, see right. it, smell it, whatever the case is. Um, so we can't, we can't forget everyone that's affected by it. And, and so now we are encompassing everybody. Because they are affected somehow, some way. So it's really a culture shift agency-wide. Absolutely it is, yeah. So how would you say in doing this work you've seen, you know, I, I hear this a lot that, that some of the old-timers that they're called um, don't adapt well to changes like this. And it's not a criticism of them. They've, they were trained. You know, the challenge I see with the work that you do is you're trained to be invulnerable to do the job that you do. Yes. And now all of a sudden we're asking people to show up and be vulnerable, which is counterintuitive to how you were trained. It's it's kind of an oxymoron to me, uh-huh. and it makes sense. Are you seeing that um, it's harder to implement with older groups, and are you doing more work with these younger groups coming up to where you're speaking this language culturally from the beginning? Absolutely. So, yes, I um, teaching the older group is very, very difficult. Right. Um, and I, you know, I'll put myself in that situation. I've been in this job for 20 years. Right. And um, I work with some of those older people that are still very, ah, so touchy-feely. No, I'm never going to do that, you know. And, well, and nobody wants to do this right. work, by the way. Right, I mean, exactly. It's not something you just wake up and, oh, I want to focus on mental health today. I know. <laughs> no. You know, and then I bring up the subject, yes, we're going to do yoga for first responders. No way. Are you kidding me? It's like, okay, you know, I know I have to do this slowly for those. Um, but, yes, we, we, we need to focus on our older ones that have been around in this um, profession longer because we also see a high rate of um, just natural um, physical um, issues when they retire, a lot of health problems, um, they die at an early age. Yeah, I've and, heard that. Yeah, so we need to take care of them from day one when they start to the academy till they retire and even after they retire. I know that there are um, support groups being started um, for retirees, right. first responders, to really help them adjust to having a different life, essentially. Sure. Yeah, I've heard that a lot, and it makes perfect sense when you have this entire career that's you know, dealing with what what I'm going to say is a lot of stressful and traumatic situations, high alert right, situations, right. and then you go to this next step of life. Like, I don't think there's a good preparation plan of how do you transition from where you are to where you're going. There is, and it sounds like the result of that is catastrophic in yes, many instances. Yes, very much so. Uh, I mean, you're going from mm-hmm. a job where you're constantly on your toes every day. Even my position, even though I'm an executive command staff and I, you know, I'm not in a patrol car anymore, I'm still, I mean, I'm, because my, I have more liability on me to make sure that I take care of my people. Right. And, you know, it's not just me anymore. It's just, it's not me in a patrol car taking care of the people in the community. I have 800 people now that I need to make sure that they're going to be okay. Right. Um, so it's a lot of responsibility. I can imagine. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I enjoy it. I, I want to make sure that they're being taken care of. And with our um, officers and civilians even that are retiring, it's, it's, you know, you go from go, go, go to, okay, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> this is just weird. 
Right. And I think that's true for anybody, really. But especially given the parameters of the work that you all do, that this high intensity, high alert kind of work, it's... I would imagine civilian life in retirement could be pretty boring if you didn't have a plan. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's funny in doing Everyday Brave, you know, we have our resources in our four categories, right. health, job, money, and tribe. Um, the thing that I thought was really odd in the money resource area, like Dave Ramsey's the go-to guy that everybody right. wants yes. to talk about. <laughs> and I'm like, there's nothing tailor-made for your group. And that shocks me. Yes, you're so, correct. You know, that's one of the areas I think that we may see an evolution of what Everyday yes, Brave comes. I hope is, so. Is there training and curriculum that we can help, you know, foster or develop? But, you know, I think retirement is spot on. There needs to be something to prepare people that are aging out of the system. And we're yes, all doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that to me is is a deficit. You know, I, I hear that you've made a lot of progress and I think it's admirable the work you're doing. And obviously time and resources are a big factor in being able to do everything and do it all at once. Right. And, you know, by your admission, change happens slowly. Right. Um, you know, but it, it feels like we're still at that point, even in all of those efforts being made, there's more to be done. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's ever going to get to a point where we're like, okay, we're good. I, it, it's always going to be involved. We're, right. we're always going to add things to it. We're going to find out, um, you know, different things that, that we're going to need. I mean, it started just, okay, you, you went to a critical incident. Let's do debrief. You're good. Move on. Now it's like, no, we recognize a family's involved. Right. So let's let's look at taking care of the family and then, okay, well, what if that person is not dealing with that critical incident, right? And then they start drinking. Okay, now we have to have resources for substance abuse. And you may abuse. not even know if that's all going on behind absolutely, the scenes. Absolutely, absolutely. So we really, we've really, we have really started to focus with the family because the families are the ones that are going to notice the change sure. in them before we would. So do you think, what do you see the evolution of this program becoming? It sounds like it's changed and adapted a lot. Where does it go? Well, I'm hoping it can only get bigger and better. Right. Um, More specific resources for first responders. Sure. Because we are a unique group. Um, Of course. (laughs) So, um, you know, I know that um, there are some that are very hesitant to go seek help because of – I don't want to talk to somebody who doesn't know what I've been through. It's not going to help me. Why would I go talk to them? Right. You know, so, but I know now we have tremendous resources as far as psychologists that that's their specialty. You know, they didn't work in law enforcement, but, you know, this is their special. That's all they do. Right. Is first responders. So you've talked a lot about resources. I assume you collaborate quite a bit with other groups and yes. um, outside agencies that do work with responders. What what are some of those initiatives that you're undertaking in collaboration? Well, um, I've been latched on to Detective Dan Bright. Right, Dan's amazing. <laughs> he's just he is just I like, just send such him a in, rock star. Oh my gosh! I every time I get a really good article, I send it to him. He sends me stuff, and um, we uh, we are working um, on a collaboration between um, metro agencies, law enforcement, firefighter, paramedics to have a three-day conference next year for first responders and their families. I've heard that. Yeah, so, and we've got um, a lot of psychologists on board that are going to be, and we have financial, so it's encompassing the whole thing, or how to talk to your children about what you do. 
Um, so yes, I you know Dan is is great resource. Um, I've also hooked up with um, Rhonda from Responder Strong. Everybody loves Rhonda. Right, right. (laughs) I had coffee with her yesterday, and I said, you know, I I can't go to a single meeting that people don't tell me how much they love you. I mean, what a testament to, like, being such a connected individual. She's so passionate about it. And she's the one who's like, you know what? I really could use you to help teach resiliency in the community colleges. I'm like, I'm on it. Okay. You just give me the curriculum. I'll go teach it. And uh, So tell me what that looks like. Oh, it's the curriculum that is put together is just great. Great. Okay. Um, it's a four-hour class that is put on to brand new recruits, and um, it's kind of basic overall. This is what you're going to be expecting. Right. This is what's going to be happening. This is what you're going to be seeing. You're not only going to have the stressors of the calls you go to. You're going to have the stressors of the shift you work, of your supervisor, um, or just changes in general within the agency okay. that you're going to have to deal with, and giving them different coping mechanisms on how to help with that. Right. Um, and list of resources of books and um, websites and you name it. I mean, she's got it all there. I just regurgitated out to those recruits. <laughs> and I, and since I'm so passionate about it as well, it comes easy for me. Sure. And it's very interactive with the recruits. They don't sit there and get death by PowerPoint. Um, so it's very interactive. And, I, you know, get them talking and get them realizing that, you know, Great. I'm I'm so happy that you came into this profession, but just let it be known that it's not all what you think it is. Right. Right. So, you know, it's like there's going to be some bad days. Right. Right. Yeah. And you, you're going to have to learn how to deal with it. Otherwise, this career is not going to do you any good. Well, and I think that starting from that place of letting people know the reality of, yes. you know, this this is going to be tough. Right. And there may be more bad days than good days. Right. I think that's a really great place to start. I, l- I love hearing that you all are collaborating and seeing that agencies are working together. And in doing these podcast series, you know, people have asked me several times, how did you choose to work with responders? And obviously it was knowing Rhonda. Right. <laughs> and getting bought into what she was doing. Yes. And, and the fact of the matter is, is, you know, my goal at the Connection Project really is around how do we look at groups or tribes that are struggling and offer them resources? And we know that your tribe is struggling. Oh, yes. You know, statistically, things are not great. Right. So what I've been phenomenally amazed about is being able to look at the people like yourself who are doing this really great work and that everybody's broaching the door of wanting and being willing to work together. And frankly, I've met some of the coolest people I've ever met doing this work. Um, I think it's admirable. Um, it's um, You all put yourselves on the line for us as civilians every day, and, and I think it's important that we recognize, even though cops often get a bad rap, right. um, that, you know, this is a dangerous job. And right. we ask a lot of you um, in doing that job. And, and I think we have a responsibility to help and give back. So well, thank you. Um, I really thank admire you. what you're doing. Thank you. Um, what have we not covered that you think we should talk about? Anything? Well, let me just throw out um, okay. kind of one of the things that um, we are doing is um, we have a therapy dog. Okay. And it is, um, his name is Blue. Okay. He's a Neapolitan Mastiff. I bet he's big. Oh, he is. He's, <laughs> he's considered the little horse. Uh-huh. And um, he is personally owned by one of my lieutenants who is also on the team. And just um, yesterday, she brought him into work, and all of a sudden, she's getting phone calls. Oh, we hear Blue's here. We hear Blue. Bring him over here. Bring him over here. How cool. So she wasn't in the office at all yesterday, because Blue had to go make his tours around the place, and 
We even took him down into the um, into the facility of the jail and let the deputies see him. And just the the few minutes that you know they're able to pet him and give him a kiss on the head, or you know the drool coming out. <laughs> you know, it's just you see a change in him. Right. And that just watching that yesterday was just I love that. Well, it's an affirmation that it. That it works. Right, you right. Know? And I mean, as complicated as we make some of this, like going back to the basics of yeah. bringing a dog to work. Absolutely. You know, it right? can change the day for a lot of people. Exactly. Have Just you met Dan's dog, Fergus? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he came when we did our podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah, he sat right here. He, he's still a puppy, but he's, yes. he's an adorable dog. And you know, like you said, it's the very basic. You know, of course, there are people that are don't want anything to do with dogs, which is fine. Right. But majority of them, I mean, and a mastiff, really, you (laughs) you can't ignore it. No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just amazing. Just the just the amount of um, just those few minutes. Sure. It gives, you know, that person whatever's going on in their day, whatever email they just read that just got them, you know, all worked up. All of a sudden, here comes blue. And it's like, okay. We're good. So it's just, I love it. I love it. I That's love it. amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for you oh, and your service. You. I really do appreciate the work you're doing and the time you shared with us today. Thank you for having um, me. So if someone listening is struggling, do you have some recommendations on where they might go for support next? Absolutely. Um, we work with um, several um, psychologists um, in the area that are focused like I mentioned previously, on first responders. Right. We, um, we work with Dr. Sarah Metz, Code 4 Counseling. Sure. Um, we also work with Dr. Jamie Brower. Right. We also work with um, Dr. Libby Palmer. She's out in Lakewood. And um, so we have, we kind of, they're and they're spread out. So we have individuals who live down south. Dr. Metz now has an office in Lone Tree. Oh, great. Yeah, and Dr. Brower's up north. We got Dr. Palmer out west. So we wanted to have areas. So help is available. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then throughout the agency, throughout the department, there we have all kinds of posters of, you know, um, the crisis line, text. All you can do is text, and right. you'll get in touch with somebody. So it's out there. It's out there. Well, I'm you know, glad we to hear that. We just have to let them know it's there. <laughs> well, let's keep shining that bright light. Thank absolutely. you for everything. Oh, thank you. Thank Hope you, you have for a great having day. me. Thank you, too. We are glad you shared your time with us today. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling, we are here to help. You are not alone. The Connection Project has resources that can support you. I encourage you to check out the Everyday Brave digital resource list, which can be found on our website, www.realpeoplerealife.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.